Welcome to the podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. I'm Pastor Kristen Stone King. Our mission at Epworth is to live out God's love for all. We strengthen our faith as we worship, study, develop a creative, supportive community, and serve others. Together, we encourage each other, challenge each other, and welcome all people on their journey of faith. We are a reconciling congregation, meaning that persons of all sexual orientations and gender identities are welcomed to help transform our church and our world into the full expression of Christ's inclusive love. We are a sanctuary church advocating for the rights and dignity of immigrants, and we stand in solidarity with the movement for black lives. Our podcast blends a taste of the music that we experience here in worship on Sunday mornings, along with a scripture reading 
and a message. Sunday to you. My name is Ethan Tobin Lindsay, and my family and I are proud members of Epworth. I'm reading today Acts 8, 26 through 39. The Creator's angel said to Philip, Go south along the desert road that leads from Jerusalem to Gaza. So Philip left. An important Ethiopian official happened to be going along that road in his chariot. He was the chief treasurer for Candace the queen of Ethiopia. The official had gone to Jerusalem to worship and was now on his way home. He was sitting in his chariot reading the book of the prophet Isaiah. The spirit told Philip to catch up with the chariot. Philip ran up close and heard the man reading aloud from the book of Isaiah. Philip asked him, do you understand what you are reading? The official answered, how can I understand unless someone helps me? He then invited Philip to come up and sit beside him. The man was reading the passage that said, He was led like a sheep on its way to be killed. He was silent as a lamb whose wool is being cut off, and he did not say a word. He was treated like a nobody and did not receive a fair trial. How can he have children if his life is snatched away? The official said to Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So Philip began at this place in the scriptures and explained the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to a place where there was some water. The official said, look, here is some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the chariot to stop. Then they both went down into the water and Philip baptized him. After they had come out of the water, the Lord's spirit took Philip away. The official never saw him again, but he was very happy as he went on his way. Amen.
Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. One of our Epworth members sent to me recently an article from the New York Times about a state of being that has come over many persons. See if this sounds like anything you've been experiencing lately. Difficulty concentrating, a sense of lacking motivation, even with vaccines and openings happening, a feeling of not being able to muster much enthusiasm for the future. It's not depression. It doesn't come with a sense of utter hopelessness. And it's not burnout. There's still some energy to keep doing what must be done. But it's a feeling of, meh. It's a psychic shrug of the shoulders. The name of this state of being is languishing. The article described languishing as the neglected middle child of mental health. When I first read the article, I thought, hmm, well, I can see how that describes some of the folks I've been talking with, but not me. I, I thought, I, I've gotten a lot done in the last year, and I have ideas about where we can go as a congregation, and particularly as we open up. But the article stayed with me, and I realized that there is a dimension to what I've been experiencing that is aptly named languishing. My usual drive and pep has been a little tempered. Does this resonate with anything you've been experiencing? Once I had a name for what was going on, I began to notice it in myself and others. It began to come up in conversations, even in our Wednesday night communion this last week. My second language is German. And there are many times I, I have wished that my second language was something more useful in my daily life and work like Spanish, which would be regularly helpful, or even French or Portuguese or Swahili, which are the official languages of the United Methodist Church in addition to English. But what I do love about German is that there are so many words that just don't exist in English for feelings and states of being that are common to human experience. Words like Weltschmerz, which translates literally to world pain and signifies the sense of feeling the world's suffering, of having all of that weight on one's heart and one's shoulders. Or Schadenfreude, which refers to that private guilty feeling of taking joy in someone else's misfortune. These words do not have corollaries in English and can only be translated through description, but they name real feelings and real experiences that we are familiar with. These distinct words help us understand how we feel, what it is we're experiencing, and the naming of an experience in, in uh, words such as languishing or weltschmerz or schadenfreude is how we come to recognize and make sense of what is happening to us. And it is the key to being able to hear God's voice that is calling us out of those states where we may be stuck and into the full power and peace and presence 
of God. Our scripture today from Acts tells the story of two biblical characters, one known as the Ethiopian eunuch and the other, Philip the Evangelist. As the story opens, Philip the Evangelist, who is not to be confused with Philip the Apostle, the disciple of Jesus, is being called by a divine messenger to go from Jerusalem to Gaza by way of what is uh, known in the scriptures or what is referred to in the scriptures as the wilderness road. The scripture tells us that it is there on the wilderness road that Philip meets the Ethiopian eunuch. Now the Ethiopian eunuch isn't given a, a proper name, but is described by this position. In biblical tradition, eunuchs were persons who either uh, through biological altering or perhaps sexual orientation or gender identity did not marry or reproduce. In biblical Israel, reproduction was seen as the vehicle that perpetuated the cult of Yahweh. And so to not be able to contribute to the lineage and people of Israel uh, in this way was a mark of marginalization. It removed one from the inner circles of power in biblical Israel. However, in the time of Jesus's life and shortly thereafter, eunuchs signified something different. Jesus himself did not marry or reproduce. And so the eunuch became a powerful symbol of the values of the kingdom of heaven inaugurated by the unmarried and childless Jesus. This was the understanding of what a eunuch symbolized at the time of this writing that we have today from Acts. And yet, though there is this connection of eunuchs to the person of Jesus, our eunuch here in this story, when Philip finds him on the wilderness road, is not a Christian. When we encounter him, he is reading from the book of Isaiah. And why Isaiah, we might ask? How did he discover this text in, in which we know this text? We know it well. It's where we find the prophecies of Jesus, and, and, and it foretells of Jesus' life and purpose and, and lineage and genealogy. We can assume that when the Ethiopian eunuch was reading Isaiah, he came across the words, The Spirit has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to pro proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty all those who are oppressed. The words that Jesus, too, read aloud and announced in the temple, a saying, Today these words have been fulfilled in your hearing. And so we have to wonder, maybe the eunuch in spending time with this text, be, maybe he, he was drawn to this text because there is something in it that speaks to him. Maybe he is attracted to the words about marginalization and justice, about descendants even without reproduction, of freedom and community and liberation. Maybe he heard hints in this text that he thought might be an answer to his unnamed longing. When Philip finds the Ethiopian eunuch, he has just read the words in Isaiah about the lamb who is sacrificed. He's seen the words about the symbolism of atonement and about the descendants of the one who gave all he had. 
but the eunuch is lost. When Philip asks him, do you understand what you are reading? The eunuch responds, how can I, when no one has explained it to me? Now, the fact that the Ethiopian eunuch was reading at all is in itself very significant. Only 1% of the population in the Palestinian area at that time was literate. So we are to understand that this is a rare and educated person. He serves in the royal court where analysis and interpretation and insight are most likely necessary skills. And so when he says he doesn't understand, it isn't for lack of skill or education. It isn't a literal not understanding. What the Ethiopian eunuch is saying is that he knows there is a spiritual power and wisdom in these words, but he just can't access it. He needs help. And with that utterance of naming, the gates of the kingdom of heaven are opened. He names his need to understand, and this naming is the key fit into the lock of the gate. His need is responded to. Philip sits down with him, explains the passage, and shares the good news of Jesus. In the naming of the need, the wilderness road has turned into the path of Christ, the way of Jesus. One of the blessings of the pandemic for me has been an Instagram site that I came across. It's called <clears throat> Black Liturgies. And it's a site that expresses in the words of liturgy and prayer, the feelings and needs that arise from living in a racist world. It's from the perspective of its creator, African-American Cole Arthur Riley, who is always deeply grounded in the well of life that is God in Jesus. Recently, as many felt relief at the guilty verdict for Derek Chauvin, Riley wrote of still feeling a generalized anxiety. She dedicated her post on this to those for whom anxiety is a menace. Part of her method is to provide words for breath prayer, to name a need or a feeling on the inhale and find an answer or provide an answer provide some understanding on the exhale. For this particular post, she wrote, inhale, I cannot place this fear. Then exhale, let this breath help my soul to rest. I cannot place this fear. Let this breath help my soul to rest. In naming the fear, the state that Cole Arthur Riley herself was experiencing, she led others into understanding and more fully into the peace of God. Whether we are feeling a fear we cannot place or whether we are languishing, what we need to remember is that these places need not be a permanent state of being. The purpose of the New York Times article on languishing wasn't to reify this state, to cement this place where many are finding themselves, but to name that the phenomenon is real. 
and that there is nothing inherently wrong with anyone who is experiencing languishing. Languishing is a point on the continuum of mental health that has at its outer points depression on the one side and flourishing on the other side. Flourishing is a state of generativity, an experience of flow where the challenges of life are neither overwhelming or too few. Sometimes it's only in naming where we are that we can come to know where we aren't. And once we see where we are and where we aren't, we can see if this is actually where we would like to be. In naming languishing or anxiety or fear as a state of what is, we can see that these places, though they may be where we are at the moment, are in fact not the same as where we would like to be. They're not the same as flourishing. Once Philip the evangelist had shared the good news of Jesus with the Ethiopian eunuch, the eunuch responded to the call and invitation. He understood that this new life was meant for him too, and that he needed to move out of the wilderness and into a new place of flourishing. As he and Philip traveled the road, they came to some water, and seeing the water, the Ethiopian eunuch says, Look, here is water. What is to stand in the way of me being baptized? And there Philip baptized him into a worldwide and eternal family of purpose and peace, of not being lost, but found, of flourishing. Once we know where we are and see what flourishing would look like, we cannot help but keep ourselves from going towards it. We are drawn to it. Flourishing is the state that God is always drawing us towards. The naming of an experience then in a word such as languishing is how we come to recognize what is happening to us. It's how we become conscious and intentional, how we wake up and respond to that flourishing that God is beckoning us toward. And let us not forget that there are two main characters in this story, the Ethiopian eunuch who is found and Philip who seeks him out. May we be both those who are found as well as those who seek the lost. Like the Ethiopian eunuch, may we find words to name our need. And like Philip, may we go by way of the wilderness road to those who are stuck in languishing, or anxiety, or without understanding. And may we know that God is always calling us into and waiting for us in that place of flourishing. Amen.
podcast for Epworth United Methodist Church in Berkeley, California. Wherever you're located, we'd love for you to take a next step in growing in faith in this community. Our online worship is at 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings on Facebook, YouTube, and on our website at epworthberkeley.org. Or you can fill out an online connect card at epworthberkeley.org backslash connect. Have a great week. Oh, my heart, my heart.